Welcome to Pop Culture Cake. I'm your host for tonight's evening. You know, I should have come in. I should, you know, one day I'm gonna I'm gonna rip Dane's gimmick. I'm gonna come in here with an accent or an impression. I'm gonna do the Crypt Keeper from that show back in the day that I named. I can't remember. Anyway, my name is Brent, and I'm here with Adam. Hey, uh, the show you're thinking of is Tales from the Crypt. Oh shit! Thank you. And returning special guest, you know them, you love them, Audrey. Hi. So we're gonna start off today talking about Nazi grandparents. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Are we really? I wasn't no, no, prepared no, no, for no. that. <laughs> no, really. Today's gonna be a very casual episode, guys. It's it's just gonna be us talking about a couple of things that we that we've been enjoying, you know, in our personal lives. You know, we're we're we might get a special appearance. We might not. And it's, it's just a chill vibe, just a chill vibe. So, Adam, tell me about tell me about what you what you've been doing. Okay, well, one of the sh- I've been watching a couple different shows with some of my roommates and a couple on my own. But the one I'm kind of most interested in right now is called The Nevers. It is a show on HBO Max created by Joss Whedon and company. The premise is is it's set in Victorian England and. Overnight, mysteriously, and no one knows how, several thousand people suddenly develop rare mutations and or superpowers that vary from things like being able to make something float for seven seconds, becoming a giant, being able to breathe underwater, be able to walk on water, be able to heal with a touch, be able to fling fire, and so on and so on. And the complication of the story is how everyone reacts because there are various factions that immediately spring up and you've got the English government itself being like, oh, the empire's at stake. And Wait, so what, it, so what time period again? Victorian England. And this is like day zero. This is yes, like... Yes, you start... Well, no. You start about a few weeks in. Okay. So pretty ground floor, though. Yeah, like it, the event is so recent that everyone's still trying to make sense of it. But it affects people from across the social spectrum. And, you know, it, it suddenly elevates certain people from the lower classes to miraculous powers that they can take on the landed elite. And another interesting fact is that the vast majority of the people who become called, become to be called the touched are women. So women are overwhelmingly empowered. Uh, Great British, my hero academia. Yeah. Is this like, does it just affect English people? No, it was anyone in London at the time. So there are oh, a couple so it's a of, very oh. small window. Yeah, like, I mean, pretty... a lot of people, but it's a lot yeah. of people, but it's just London and huh. it's anyone who was there. It was like a random die roll. That That's happened. really weird. Wow. I mean, very interesting as a concept, but so weird. And so, I mean, it gets weirder as you watch the show. I do recommend it. I won't spoil any more of it because it's still being made. Oh, so it's weekly. Yes. It's one of those. We reinvented cable shows. Yeah. My, my roommate was talking about that. We were watching it. Yeah, no, Invincible. We were we were talking about how these motherfuckers just made cable again. Yes, they did. <laughs> they, that was in the capitalism episode. Yeah. Uh, and so, let me ask you a couple questions, though, because you said Josh yeah. Whedon. So, Josh, I did. Uh, yeah. Famously, infam or infamously, not not we're not a big we're not huge fans of Josh Whedon in the modern era. No. Yeah. Does this no. does this show suffer from Josh Whedon's dialogue style? Ooh. That's a good question. Not overly, but at times, yes. Because, I mean, it's still him. Right. And I don't know. It feels like he's once again trying to write women and not fully understanding how they work. Right. Josh Whedon? 
No. No. <laughs> Yeah. Can't imagine layers and layers of sarcasm in that one, <laughs> but unlike uh, the mean, layers and layers of characterization that Joss Whedon gives his women characters, yeah, and it, there I'm is here to drag Joss Whedon. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. I, I'm there for it. I just like the universes he creates. I'm not saying he writes his characters well. Tragically, yeah, yeah he has gotten his hands on some solid franchises. Yeah, I haven't, yeah, I haven't rewatched. First of all, I wasn't I wasn't a big Buffy guy. I was more of an Angel guy. So I don't remember how Buffy is characterized. She's not very well fleshed out as a person. She's pretty much always chasing the horizon. And that horizon happens to be a boy. Oh, that's... That tracks. That's pretty lame. I feel like... It is. Especially because I I think about how... I think about the characters in Angel. This is going to become an Angel podcast right now. That's fine. (laughs) I think about the characters in Angel. I think about all the male act male leads and how they all kind of have decent arcs and how like Cordelia is just very poorly. Like it starts off as like, Oh, this is a very different Cordelia, but also it's just like, I don't know. Then in the later seasons, they kind of just treat her really poorly, like turn into, I don't know. It's just, it makes me feel weird. I got those shows were so smart to me. Cause I was what? 10. Exactly. And that's you know? the thing. Yeah. Or like I think about Firefly, and I don't. I, I I've seen the whole show. I've seen the movie. I remember nothing. I remember <laughs> nothing about that. I can't even tell you how many women were on on that ship. Uh, I know one was a prostitute. Three, yeah, yeah. No, nope, uh, four. River Tam. Sorry. Oh my god! Holy fuck! <laughs> I just realized I haven't watched any of Joss Whedon's franchises. The whole thing's through. Uh, or any of, I, or even started any of them. No, I didn't. I haven't. I haven't watched any of them at all. Oh. I didn't watch Firefly. And uh, yet, I, you're here to lambast the man. I've watched enough <laughs> Joss Whedon movies that I which feel of, qualified. Of which, of which, oh, it qualifies. Yeah, of which only a few. There, are, there aren't that many either. But they're. It's just like it's like the Avengers, pretty good. Oh, yeah. And then all Age of Ultron, not great, especially with how he treats women in that movie. Yikes. Yeah. And then, so it's so fucked because as much as I don't like Zack Snyder, the watching the two cuts, Josh Whedon's cut is just much, much worse. It is. That is what I heard from literally everyone who watched it. Was like I'm, somehow I'm still not willing to watch a four-hour movie. That that I is didn't perfectly like. fine. But yeah, moving on from Josh. Oh, they're rebooting Firefly. I don't think he's involved either. Oh, fucking well, ridiculous! I didn't know that. Who's gonna play Nathan Fillion's character? Honestly. I don't know, but I would be fine with them just putting Nathan Fillion back in. The w- a wax so statue of Nathan Fillion. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that would, the, a CGI version of creepily uncanny valley Nathan no. Fillion. Yeah, Do not give Joss Whedon any ideas. Not Too late. Me. He listens to this podcast. I don't think he's. I don't think he's involved. Apparently, it's coming. Well, it's not clear if he's involved. He might have some producer credits or something. But I think of. I think of Nathan Fillion in an older, more grizzled, further Han, Han Solo in yeah, new. yeah, further mm-hmm. cynical, for, further. I'm not sure if this is a word, but cynicized. I'm not sure if that's a word. It's a word now. It's a word now. Put it on a T-shirt. Adam's catchphrase. It's a word now. <laughs> finger guns, and uh, I guess I'll go next since I'm already talking a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, shut up, Jeez. Jesus, Audrey, what are you doing? Yeah, Audrey, go next. Oh God. No, I fully assumed that Brent was going next, so I did not prepare myself to answer that question, because a lot of what I've been doing is watching Brent play video games. 
Yeah, I'll talk uh, about Resident. I'll talk about Resident Evil. There you go. I mean, they they overlap, so why not? Yeah, fuck it. Uh, so I've been playing Resident Evil Eight Village, and it's okay. Oh come on, <laughs> <laughs> you monster! You do this all the time. You you waltz in with this big topic, and you just are like, eh. It's, it's I think what 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 it is is that. I, I don't know how to feel about it, A, because I haven't finished it just yet. I've gotten pretty far. And B, I'm not, I have a weird relationship with Resident Evil and that I did not play like one, two, three, or, and I might, this is the one I might get shit for. I didn't play four. I played five and a little bit of six, like the worst two games, like the ones that were so bad that they had to reboot it into the the first person game that it is now. And I liked five because it was like cooperative and the shooting was slower and it was like this weird like resource management actiony game. So it was fine. I like I, I, it's it's one of those scenarios where I I enjoyed that the controls were stilted and it it because it it felt it was in like in that line of like Dark Souls where I have to make choices based on the limitations that are provided to me and. So I had to like think about what I was doing, like in as it like opposed to like in a Halo or something where I can kind of just go off of my instinct and mm-hmm. you know just flow. There's a lot of fluidity there, which is great. Don't get me wrong, but like in an RE game, there's it's the opposite of fluid fluidity. It's like the most viscous game in the world. And so I came into RE8 solely off the back of how horny everyone was for <laughs> the tall vampire lady, and. She's, I mean, she's nine, just shy of nine foot six or something. And wait, what? Yeah. She's, she's tall as fuck. She's really tall. So and every, she's a giant. Like, yeah. And everybody was really like, I'm surprised you missed this, Adam, but everyone was. I don't pay attention to Resident Evil games. I literally don't know what they're about. Not much. And as, and then behind me looming is the lore of Resident <laughs> Evil. Dun, yeah. Dun, the dun, most convoluted, dun, dun, one of the dun, most convoluted dun, dun, dun. It's up there with Zelda. Yeah. Uh, and. When this game, when the trailers of this game came out, people were really like the the zeitgeist around this of tall vampire lady was massive. Everyone was just really horny for her, and the, the and it's funny. It's just it's not it's a scary game, scary action game, and everyone's like, yeah, fuck the game. I'm trying to I'm trying to fuck the the the, the villain, and so I got it because I thought it'd be funny, and actually I'm enjoying it. I think the combat is actually really clean. It is slower, but I think. Because they're, it's the same way with like actions have kind of potentially severe consequences. I like being able to make decisions in that rotation, right? In that, in the like rock, paper, scissors that all video games, you know, employ. The, pay, the payoffs are high and the punishments are high. So everything feels, you know, weighty and like it matters, you know. And it's not even that scary of a game actually so and something i think that it was very clever is all the ads that got them all this initial popularity they kind of portray this game as one thing and all of that stuff is probably from the first five hours of the game this is maybe a 20-hour game if you're slow like me so you really don't get a sense of what the game is about at all and each section feels pretty unique and that's interesting too like the gameplay loop is being applied to you know the first one is more of a traditional Resident Evil game where you're stuck in a building and you're being chased by something. And then the other sections are more like, I mean, the second section is the scariest yeah, by far that they do a, a cheap trick of taking, not cheap, it's a, it's a trick, but it 
they take all your weapons away and you're inside of a house and you need to do like this kind of escape you have to like puzzle your way out and they it put has you, a they put you in an escape room but by yourself exactly and there's a really grotesque monster baby oh uh, god yeah the monster baby was honestly the worst part of the entire game like i can stomach a lot of shit but the body horror involved in creating that horrific huge monster baby was a bit much yeah and and i i think the only reason i was able because i'm not a big fan of scary games i'm not i'm not i don't have the the stomach for it and not, i mean gore doesn't bother me there's something about interacting with the thing like it's w- watching alien is one thing playing a scary game is another and the only reason i think i was able to get through it was we were having audio difficulties because i was streaming it for some friends and <laughs> so i had to, i just turned the volume all the way down so i wasn't able to get a lot of the scare factor which is the audio cues that they're using to manipulate you emotionally yeah because yeah. apparently like during that section there are a lot of pretty horrifying audio cues that are just like really uncomfortable and make everything around you a lot worse but not hearing them made it so much easier to watch and it was already hard to watch <laughs> yeah so that was my experience playing it what was your experience audrey kind of getting at the of like just consuming it i do not typically enjoy gameplay like walkthroughs because I find them to be like not as engaging as they could be but I also you know like watching friends play games is fine and I really enjoy it because I feel like I can have something to say about it and it's interactive as opposed to me just sitting there watching somebody else play a video game on a YouTube channel. But as far as the game itself, it was it's very entertaining. Obviously, like the first the first bit with the very sexy vampire lady who I believe all of us most of us were quite horny for, admittedly. But like I feel like the parts that I could not get into was where the game relies too heavily on lore. Like I feel like a lot of it, and I get it, like it's a Resident Evil game, it's a huge franchise, a shit ton of lore, you kind of can't escape it, but the way the game was advertised felt very much as if they were not trying to just advertise to Resident Evil fans, they were trying to advertise to video game fans, just as a whole, and so it was like, you walk in, Resident Evil 8 is your first Resident Evil game, and you don't understand, probably close to like, 50% of the implications because there's no context given. Okay, but like, what series do you walk into and you're picking up number eight and you expect to feel like you are comfortable with what's going on? Final Fantasy (laughs) 8. Yeah, but they're not actually interconnected. Yeah, but you did. That's not what you. Those are not the parameters you set forth. Well, oh my God, are you telling me to define my terms, sir? I think you could probably get. Yeah, I mean, lore wise, oh, that's, like, that's like a piddling critique. Like that's that's me being like the lore of Resident Evil is so massive that like it feels very alienating. But again, like it's also the eighth game, so what the fuck do you expect? Yeah, and I mean, lore wise, I'm not really paying attention. There, they just keep showing and, uh, pictures of the fucking umbrella, and I'm like, what the? F-? This the is very umbrella. clearly meaningful because you're right. lingering on it. But what does it mean? Right, right. But what does it mean? I think, I think also what's interesting about streaming it on with a smaller group of people is that when you watch like a traditional streamer or participate in one of those things, your voice is like usually washed out. So it's like a live interactive thing, and it's really cool. Don't get me wrong, but there's something much more intimate about it just being used for the people, five other people, and like a great thing that happened was two of the people who were watching could read musical notes oh, and yeah. were able to solve a puzzle for me that I would not have not been able to solve on my own. 
It felt very cooperative. So you uh, you phoned a friend? Functionally, yeah, yes. I definitely yeah. I definitely phoned a friend. But now, Audrey, go ahead. Tell me about. Tell us about your. Tell us about something. Tell us about something. <laughs> goddammit. No, I've been I've been <laughs> watching a lot of Brand playing Resident Evil, which I found very enjoyable. I made the poor decision to simultaneously, while he was playing Resident Evil, I was like, oh, I'm going to have. I'm going to split my screen, and I'm going to go through the proposals for SCP-001. Oh, why? Uh, and boy, boy was that maybe not the best choice for me to make at the time. Cause so it, it was just, just all horror. All yeah, month. it just led to me being like very paranoid at two in the morning, just like <laughs> looking around myself, being like, what the fuck is out there? If I leave my desk right now, am I going to die? Yeah, um, the, the little murder baby thing is going to be there. Oh, God, no, I don't want to talk about the little murder baby. But I have, like, I've been reading quite a few SCPs. I'm very fond of, like, all of the proposals for 001, just because I find it to be really interesting to see what people think is, you know, of the caliber to make things the first SCP. Mm -hmm. My favorite one for anybody who gives a shit is the big old angel. The big old fiery angel. Is in a desert somewhere, right? And if you approach it, if you get to a certain distance with it, within a certain distance of it, it destroys you. Or... Yeah, it like fully obliterates you from existence. Yeah, uh, I love SCPs. They're so fucking cool. I love them so much. It like fully fulfills that need in me to assign deeper meaning to things that typically mean nothing. But it's the most low stakes way for me to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. I really um, enjoy cosmic horror stuff. Oh yeah. No hell yeah. You like cosmic horror is one of my favorites because it feels inescapable. For the for those of us, is is that akin to Lovecraftian? Yeah, it's Lovecraftian. Yeah. It's Lovecraftian horror, but it's like without the racism. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's fine. I just I've ne- I haven't heard the term before, and I just wondered where it was. I I think I mean let me throw another SCP at you. One of my favorite SCPs, and I've probably talked about this on the show at some point. One of my favorite SCPs is the Deer God SCP. Oh my God! Yeah, the Deer God. So Adam, for you, the Deer God, and for whoever is listening at home, the Deer God is, uh, it's like this Deer God. It's a deer. You think think Princess Mononoke, the forest spirit, that type of that type of vibe. It's like supremely powerful, can obliterate everything, is a risk to all of existence, and they have this super massively intricate ritual that they perform i can't remember if it's daily or weekly but it happens consistently in order to keep the the dear god appeased uh, yeah more so like restricted right sealed as it were and throughout this article you're reading it and it's coming off as like kind of a like kind of a standard scp where it's like oh this is there's this unknowable on this unknowable horror and here's how humanity has contained it, right? Because that's kind of the main central focus of the SCP stories are secure, contain, protect. It's all about containment. And what you come to find out after interacting with this this article is that the ritual has no effects. It is not magical. It does not do anything. They have just convinced the dear God that it it does does. And the so, placebo affected him into a corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so the dear God, perce- because the dear God perceives the ritual as effective, it is effective. It is. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I love shit like that. I love I love stuff like that. That's just like. Yeah. yeah my neat. my fiance's favorite SCP is the one about the IKEA. 
what happened at Ikea. Well, basically, it's like, it looks like a regular Ikea, but when you walk in the doors, you're transported to, like, a parallel universe Ikea, in which, like, you cannot escape the Ikea, and the quote-unquote employees are not actually people. They're just, like, lumps of flesh who chase you around if they see you after dark. And it's, like, an endless Ikea. And so, like, people created, like, cities in the Ikea, or, like, little towns. And it's, like... It's very grim when you actually get to the end of it, because basically it's from the perspective of this one guy who got trapped in there. And at the very end, it's like, oh, I'm I, like, I think I'm going to leave. And then like it, it pans out from like the, the foundation's perspective and they're doing like an incident report or whatever the fuck. And they're like, yeah, it looks like somebody tried to escape the, the SCP, but something came after it and just fucking demolished it. So it's like, it's it's like, oh, this is cool. Like, this is interesting, a little bit kind of creepy. And then at the end, it's just like, oh, wait, this is there, really sad. There is no escape. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's another cornerstone of SCPs is they, is they end up being hella sad. Mm. Yeah, well, there's one. I can't fucking right. remember which one it was, but there was one. It was, I listened to it on this one podcast that does just like, readings of SCPs, like dramatic readings called SCP Archives, some minor free publicity for that very cool podcast. And they did one where it was like, like the God who destroyed the world or whatever. It was very interesting. I cannot remember it now that I've started talking about it, but my most favorite SCP is probably all the ones about the Scarlet King. Who is the Scarlet King? And (sighs) what does he do? There is a lot of very conflicting lore about the Scarlet King, which is another thing that I quite like about SCPs is that there are multiple conflicting universes and canons, but the Scarlet King is functionally this entity who is like, I'm fully going to destroy your shit. Like, I'm going to fuck up your shit. And there's like one one like piece of chain keeping him in the realm that he's in. And so they have to go in every day and do like this elaborate ritual to make sure that the chain doesn't break. And then they have a bunch of his daughters in captivity or in containment, my bad, that they have to like do some truly horrible shit too in order to make sure that he doesn't come back to the real world. It's very grim, but it's interesting and like it's very cosmic horror. Okay. So kind of like Cthulhu, he's only held back by some minor forces kept keeping him in check. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm quite fond of another cosmic sad horror one. like that. Another sad one is SCP one six one seven six two where the dragons went yeah that one's really sad there's this uh, this kid makes like this box or something and inside of this box is a functioning fantasy world and where these dragons are will periodically come out like as as paper mache or not paper mache sorry as uh, origami and like and they're like jovial and happy Mm -hmm. and as and the scp foundation recovers it and as the belief in whimsical things dies in the child who made the box the dragons inside the box be, like go, go through a, a like deterioration and the fantasy world becomes grimmer before hmm. fully destroying itself and it's like and the dragons that come out are very sweet and they like check it on like they they they, they i think they're incapable of recognizing whether or not like whoever whoever's in possession of the box if it's the child or not so they like make references to the child like i like i hope your family is doing well you know right and stuff like that and it just 
they're like waiting for this child to like reinvigorate them with with the joy that he once had or that the child once had. I'm not sure if the gender is specified. And he never comes back. So they all die. So is this some sort of metaphor for our world? Has God lost his sense of wonder with us? There is that what you're of, telling me? He got bored of, with our Sims game. There, there are a bunch of dragon SCPs that are all about the loss of joy and, beca- and becoming an adult and and how that diminishes the, the power they have. It's not inaccurate. I don't recommend becoming an adult. No, definitely I don't. If and it, and it's like and just to give us a, a backup a little bit. The SCP Foundation is like a cooperative community community writing project. You know, anybody can go in and make an SCP article, whether or not it gets approved and brought into the wiki itself proper is another thing. But if there is no set canon. A lot of things can exist, coexist by nature of like there being parallel dimensions, etc. But anyway, Adam, did you have something else that you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. So one of the other shows that I've been watching is it's of the same uh, format. So they reinvented cable, only this time it's Hulu. But Hulu picked up an actual cable series, I think. I forget who actually launched it. But the show is called Cruel Summer. If you've heard of this, it's a show about it's in the, in the 90s. It's about two young women. And it's about the years 1993, 1994, 1995, in which they are 15, 16, and 17, respectively. And the show is told in those three timelines continuously throughout an episode. So you keep hopping between those three years. And they're, the whole story they're trying to tell is about a, I don't know if he's a serial, but he kidnaps one of the girls, locks her in his basement for a period of about a year, and does horrible things to her. And this other girl, come, it turns out, may have known about it, but the victim accuses her of trying to steal her life and knowing that she was in that basement the whole time. And it's all about doubts and confusion, and you're constantly not sure who to empathize with, and it's very interesting what they do with lighting in the show. So the first year is always very bright and golden. The second year is kind of autumn-colored, and the last one is very winter. It's very gray and dark. And I really like what they're trying to do, but I'm also like, I don't like watching it every week because it makes me sad. <laughs> like it's, it's a lot of very heavy personal content and there are serious disclaimers at it for the domestic abuse aspect. I think it's def- that's definitely falls in line with a bunch of shows where like I, what, I mean, what I mean to say is I empathize with that feeling where it's like something that's very intense, very dramatic and not in like a dramatic, but like there's a lot of drama to it, right? A lot of, emotional weight there and it can be draining as an experience so well so so they do a lot of interesting things and you can't watch it weekly but do you think they're handling that multi-timeline storyline storytelling well for the most part yes i do get confused now and again but they give you really big signals about what time you're in because the the main character, the young lady you're first introduced to, the one who gets accused of not helping the other girl, she ha- in the first year she has braces. In the second year she wears the very clearly 90s choker with long blonde hair. And then in the third year her hair is cut short and dyed brown. I can't think about how interesting that was to film, right? Like, they right, because they must have done each chunk. Yeah. And, Consecutively. And they do a lot with the lighting. Like the lighting really helps. And it's not just the main two female protagonists. You also have a lot of 
side characters who also have really big like electric neon signs saying this is what year it is and what's going on in that year it's particularly noticeable with the final year because the the tone is just very bleak because that's where they're dealing with the fallout it gets very serious there are lawsuits and criminal investigations and people's lives have been destroyed because there's a lot of distrust marriages have ended siblings have stopped talking to each other it's very serious and like you said, it is draining. Like, and I work in customer service, so some days I don't want to come home and watch uh, Cruel Summer. But it is very compelling. The story is, they always keep you just on the edge of figuring out what's going on. Yeah, I can see how that would be exhausting to watch. Like, very emotionally exhausting to just, like, sit down after a fucking eight-hour day. Be like, all right, well... Time for me to spend an hour on other people's trauma, and then I'm going right. to go to bed. <laughs> wow. Now, yeah, I mean, that's why I try to save it for the weekend, like a bright Saturday morning where I can like deal with it for the rest of the day. Take it out on a D&D campaign. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> that's, where uh, I, that's where I deal with all of my feelings. It's through, oh, yeah, through it's Dungeons a great platform. and Dragons, baby. It's a good platform for that, but it's also important to... Something that I've, you know, that I've, I've been learning as a DM and as a player recently is like the importance of safety in that, in that environment, because, you know, if you use D and D as a a tool to work through emotions, it's not a professional environment, right? So you're opening yourself up to a lot of other people who are in equal measure, opening themselves up potentially, and there's no safety inherently there. So you run the risk of like exposing a nerve in someone or having a nerve exposed in yourself. And where do you go from there? How do you adjust from that to make sure that everyone stays productive and healthy and most importantly, safe? So there's definitely some like I've, we've, we've in our D&D group, Adam and mine, and also funny enough, Audrey and mine, we've set up safety tools and like tried to change the architecture and the structure around the game to not like did remove the joy and the leisure activity from it but to like just provide a, that that backbone to keep it a leisure activity and to keep it healthy right but, because one of the primary ideas behind it is not to recreate the systems of abuse that we experience in our everyday life in that fantasy world and have to deal with them in a way that we weren't really prepared to yeah, yeah. and if and if that's something that you that you and your party want to explore right that's that I think what it also boils down to consent. That stuff is fine to explore. There's nothing wrong with it, so long as everyone goes in knowing what they're dealing with. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I also feel like it gives a better structure to praising people for when they do well, because a lot of times that interaction can feel really awkward. And so when you like set aside time specifically to say like, okay, what did you think we did well this session? It gives people a like less of that. Oh, like I don't want to give somebody like a weird compliment and then make them feel weird. It gives it gives everybody like a platform to say like, oh, I think this was done really well. I think you did an excellent accent, or you you role played really well, or I think that combat encounter went spectacular. And it just gives you a structure to praise people without that inherent feeling of like I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable because I only complimented one of you or stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, Right. It's not the corporate huddle before the shift. 
Yeah. yeah and, and and so also tune in next week when we talk about hobbies. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah. And pulling it back. I, I So I watched all of Invincible, the Amazon Prime show based on Robert Kirkman's comic. And I liked it a lot. I felt like the budget was absolutely blown out of proportion on the music and voice actors. They're just frequent. Every episode has one, maybe two, sometimes three licensed songs in it. On top of having Dr. Miller as like a bit character and like JJ. No. Who plays who plays J. Jonah Jameson in Spider-Man, Toby Maguire? J.K. Uh-huh. Simmons. Yeah, I was gonna say, hold on. <laughs> J.K. Love Simmons. That guy. Is this show animated? Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was the part I was it was like voice actors. Yeah, anyway. Sandra O oh is in it. Steven Yun is in it. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, they and spent a lot of money. They spent a lot of money on this show in those specific places john ham is in it as a security guard what, what? really yeah and they, they threw john ham at a security guard yep right. and Do you think john uh, ham threw himself at a security guard <laughs> maybe and and there, so there are some shortcuts taken in the animation i think nothing that anime watchers haven't dealt with you know like there are definitely some tricks of the trade being applied here it still looks pretty good the colors are nice the storyline is really great. So really what it is, is it's, it's a, it's a, it is, I think sometimes Invincible gets sold as like a Mark Miller-esque deconstruction of the superhero genre. And I'll be honest, I don't think so. I think it is, it is playing in those tropes and it maybe sheds a lamp on a light, a lamp on some of them, but it participates in many, in the same number, if not more, it's just violent right it's violent. it is okay. it's more violent than most superhero things are but also there is still that central theme of doing good and being hopeful and overcoming that are pretty in line with superhero things in general it's a good show i would recommend it i would say there's a lot of violence so be aware of that and that not in this season but there is sexual assault coming and the storyline just keep that in mind for when season two comes up but season one does not have it it's a good show I, I i liked it i enjoyed it did you read the original intellectual content or mm-hmm. is it just nope. you just saw the show just saw the show okay it starts was... off i'll give a little bit of a spoiler for episode yeah it's fine go ahead it starts off by selling you very clearly an, an analog for superman right this guy named omni man very powerful voiced by jk simmons and his son just gets his powers Maybe his senior year of high school and he just gets his powers. And J.K. Simmons, Omni-Man, has told his son the history of their people and that they're Viltrumites. You know, they come from, he comes from a peak level society, you know, the opposite, a utopia, where they send off, people volunteer to go and become protectors of other planets. You know, and they, oh, and they okay. push this like truth, justice, that type of Superman-esque Boy Scout top level boy scout stuff because you know superman is a more complicated character than that but the the classic superman vibe and by the end of the first episode this superman type meets up with their justice league equivalent which he does not have a they have like a a working relationship but they're not they're not part of the same group and omni man proceeds to kill every member of the this world's justice league which i think is called the guardians of the globe oh my god Brutally, Brutal. brutally murders them. Jesus. And they have a Batman, an analog, a, a Flash analog, a Martian Manhunter analog. Did he have a reason? 
So you find out that Viltrumites do come from a utopia society, but that that utopia was founded on the calling of the weak in their society and that they are an empire that has conquered their galaxy. Yikes. So it's also a little bit of the Saiyan Saiyan legacy pre-Goku. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it does does it does touch on that, and it deals with the the titular character Invincible, the son of Omni Man, coming into his own, and then eventually having to stand up to his father, and ultimately failing in the short term, but having never compromised on his love for his father and also his love for the planet that he was raised on. So it's a good show. It seems very intense. Does the violence feel gratuitous? It can, yeah. I mean, there it it doesn't it the amount of blood is consistent. Mm-hmm. The amount of just straight up gore is, I think, used more sparingly for dramatic effect. You know, also Jason Manzukas is, is a voice actor in this. Also, Zachary what? Quinto is a voice actor in this. What? Yeah. So there's it's a. I mean, I'm not even looking at it. I'm just remembering voice but, actors. But, Mark but, Hamill but, is in but, this. But That's everyone's insane. dead. Who's still? He kills the whole Justice League and all these voice yeah, actors. Yeah, but, but these are but these voice actors, the ones that I've named, aren't any of the people who died. So Mark Hamill's just like a milkman. Mark Mark Hamill's a tailor. See, I was close. What? It was close. Yeah. On God's earth, what did the budget look? I know it's Amazon, so I really don't fucking care. But like, what on God's earth did the budget for this movie look like? Just in trying to it's cast side characters. Oh, I mean, dude, the running joke between my roommate and I. Was every time a licensed song came on, we would just say, "There goes the budget." Oh man! And culminating at one point where there was this rap song that came on, and the beat was just right for me to go, "There goes the budget." <laughs> <laughs> and it was—it's a good show. Definitely blew its budget on music and voice VO. Does not look ugly by any means. There are just definitely shortcuts being taken, which I'm not going to fault. Right? It's a hard job animating stuff. Oh, absolutely. But it was noticeable for me. Like they, there's one. Some of the flying is wholly taking an image of the person flying, mm-hmm. having a, a background with some minor movement, moving oh. objects like clouds, and just Uh-oh. sliding it around, oh, sliding it up and down. Like you're shifting a a Ouija, a Ouija <laughs> marker. <laughs> They're oh, called goodness. a planchette. Oh, Thank you. They? They yeah, it's called names? a planchette. Yes. Because okay. Ouija boards are one of the primary things that I never fucked with. Well, so obviously yeah, I had to learn everything about them. <laughs> yes, of course, as we all do. Anything that we wouldn't touch, we learn everything there is to do. Well, because I was like, I was like, you know, I'm half interested in this. But at the same time, my mother, who is a reformed conservative Christian and is now possibly the most hippie ass <laughs> bisexual woman that she can be she was always like look we don't fuck with spirits like even even when she was still deeply like religious which she is no longer she was very spiritual in that way she was like you don't fuck with spirits you don't fuck with summonings you don't fuck with demons period like you can do whatever you want religiously you can be a witch you can do all of that fun shit but i'm telling you if i find out you're summoning things in my fucking house i'm kicking you out and i was like it seems very intense, but you also raised me to be smart enough to not summon things, which is why I never fucked with the Ouija board. But I did I learn everything. I fucked with the Ouija board hard. You did? Hardcore. Hardcore. What uh, happened to you? Nothing. Because I'll tell yeah. you, let me tell you something. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Something, guys. <laughs> let me tell you something, guys. I'm, yeah. wet. I'm ready. Lay it on me. Let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. If ghosts are real, 
they don't want any of this smoke. All right. <laughs> Jesus uh, you, Christ. You, you personally? Oh, they don't oh. want this. Run, they run don't want, me them hands, yeah, ghosts. I'm, I'm going to need that. All right. They don't need it. They don't want any of this 12 piece combo. No biscuit. I they can't. are not ready for <laughs> me. No biscuit. What the fuck? Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, I, I only I had a Ouija board. I didn't really fuck with it that hard. I, 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 I my mom gave it to me because she's into stuff like that. And uh, it's also deeply conservative, wildly enough. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but gave me a Ouija board when I was very young. I, I messed with it a couple times. I never really had the number of friends who were like going to my house to like put a, you know, to pull out a Monopoly board or a Ouija board mm-hmm. and be like, this is what we're going to do. Like most oh, yeah. of the time I was running the streets. Well, so you like, were, you were one of the boring kids. Okay. No, cool. I was just, I'm, I'm sorry. If anything, <laughs> if anything, I was out in the streets living. I was breathing air. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was I'm sorry. While I, while I was playing board games, you were having sex with girls. I forgot. I forgot. No, 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 no. First of all, <laughs> no, 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 not true. I was just outside. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. No, I, I, was, you, I, I was, wanted to take it to the extreme. You wouldn't let me. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure I've. I'm sure I've had sex with a girl or two. Who knows? But I, <laughs> you, well, ideally you. Oh no, God no, Jesus Christ! A lot of, a lot of Jesus, a lot of. No, what is the, what is that fake, that fake, that wine and wine and Sprite or something? Oh God, a spritzer? No, it's like a, the thing that they accused Michael Jackson of using on children. It's like Jesus, Jesus juice or something. Oh God, I don't know what uh, the fuck that is. No, I when you described it, I heard spritzer. Yeah, that's what Sprite and wine is, unless I'm mistaken. Unless I'm mistaken. Anyway, I was going to say, I was not, shall we say, popular enough in my youth to be invited to the type of house parties where they would play with the Ouija board. Also, I just think it's not real. Like, not not the magic is not real. I don't think people play with Ouija boards. You don't think people play with Ouija boards? No. Also, by the way, welcome, welcome to the podcast, <laughs> Forest. Yeah, Mr. Ouija Board himself. What was I saying? I you was... just weren't you weren't popular enough for parties. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna tell a really <laughs> sad story. Thanks about for the bringing first... that back in. Yeah, I was gonna tell a really sad story about the first house party I ever went to, and then I I decided maybe I shouldn't, but now I'm deciding that it's kind of funny enough, so I'm just gonna do it. So the first house party I ever went to, I was probably 17, 18. It was with a bunch of my friends. And the person who owned the house, his parents were like, they had rented a hotel room for the night and basically said, we don't care what you do in here. You're all responsible teenagers. Which, to be fair, we were, mostly. Until you weren't. I was. So everyone around me was like blackout drunk and I was like oh it's really loud and I was getting really overstimulated so I wanted to go home and then I promptly realized that since I had gotten there early six people were parked behind me so I go in like I go into like one of the bedrooms I'm like you know what fuck it I'm just gonna lay down and try to fall asleep and one of my ex-boyfriend's friends comes in the room and he's like hey I saw you come in here a bit ago like are you doing okay and I was like yeah I'm doing fine he just kind of like sits and talks with me for a bit and he's like okay well I'm gonna head back out and then he comes back 20 minutes later with his girlfriend in tow and was like yeah I just um do you mind if we use this room I just really kind of wanted to check that you weren't asleep in here earlier oh my god I was like uh yeah sure I guess you bribed me with emotional care and then you're asking (laughs) me to leave you used me for land development (laughs) yeah this is a transaction didn't you know 
Yeah, exactly. And then he was like, but will you leave? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess. Sure, I'll go. And that's the story of how the first house party I ever went to. I got trapped there and then like bamboozled out of the room where I was going to sleep by some horny teenagers. <laughs> and that's where you learn the truth about house parties. They're no fun. Reason- for whatever reason, Forrest sounds like a whole different person. Yeah, like, he's like he's like a god <laughs> coming in from the oh, ether. Oh, oh, oh no, no, oh, no Forrest, 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 go to your go to your, your studio setup, and your yeah. microphone has been defaulted to your webcam. Oh goodness, that's not that's not any that's not what we want. My my options are allow or block. Perfect. Seems normal. Wait, 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 wait. Am I am I a different person again now? No. No. I'm still the same bad person. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I can't make that moral judgment. I don't feel I'll, qualified. I can. I can. Well, Here, kick me out. <laughs> no. <what do> you... <laughs> Throw me down I the stairs. I can't kick you out. Oh my god. There's no. I way wonder. If, I wonder if I pause it. What if I pause it? The mobility. <laughs> I love that you're doing your calisthenics. <laughs> Getting your steps in. We could hear you in the other time, but it was just all. It was. It was just it was just blown out. For yeah, it was reason. not. Yeah, I was doing that thing my project manager does, where he thinks that he's connected to his microphones, but he's not, and then he just walks out of the room. And I <laughs> oh, that's, that's not just what my manager does. No, maybe that's what they train you to do when you're a manager. Our he goes, really. He goes, and this next part is really important, and he just walks off. Yeah. <laughs> Better listen. And, and then he walks back in, and that's what your bonus is based off. Of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Huh. Oh. Okay. He comes back, and he's like. Hey, so remember that really important thing that I just told you? Mm-hmm. You're like, mm, maybe yeah, you I don't. That, repeat that back to me. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if you can. Just, <laughs> we, you know, can we just go over that again? Can we circle? Better? Can we circle back on that? Actually, yeah. I want to circle back around your circling back and say, "Hey, Forrest, how the hell are you?" <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> long, so Forrest, long time no chat. So Forrest, we're talking about uh, just stuff we've been watching. So I'll just give you a rundown of the things that we've discussed already. We discussed a Victorian era superhero powered show called the Never. The Nevers. Ah, nailed it. Then we talked about <laughs> Resident Evil Eight Village. Oh, who's been playing Village? I have. Nice. Then, okay. Then I will talk ask about you about SC- it a little bit, probably. Sure. We talked. We talked about SCPs. And then we talked about another show called Cruel Summer. And then we talked about Invincible, the animated show. Dang you! And then yeah, we, we talked sure about. Did. Audrey, what was your last thing that you were talking about? You wanted to circle back to that. What was it? I don't even remember. I think we were talking about Ouija boards and how oh, I yeah, do not yeah. fuck with them. No, but is, that that couldn't have been the thing that you were consuming. No, but I didn't. I didn't bring something up that I was. No, consuming. it was quite literally. I, we the had opposite. not. We had not circled. We had not circled oh, wow. back to my circling back oh, to okay. my next thing. But got it, got I am. It. I am cool with letting Forrest take the lead on this one because he hasn't never, given ever. us anything yet. Oof! Throw me right in. Um, I mean, if I think about what I've actually been watching recently, we watched a lot of this show called Owl House. It's on Disney Plus. I believe the target audience is like. 12 year old girls it's so cute though so you've watched it i've watched a bit of it it's adorable yeah owl house fits into that circuit of shows that i have like categorized in my brain of like infinity train she the one with those two kids who fight that triangle gravity falls gravity falls banger just like this era it's like a resurgence of quality animated shows that are like four kids but are smart Oh yeah. my gosh. 
There's or one. like that that Halloween special. That ever, what's that Halloween special? Oh, over, over the, the garden the gar- wall. Over the garden wall, right? It's another one of those shows that it's I really kind of associate. There's one Al-Sibia. that I cannot Al-Sibia. recommend enough on Netflix called Hilda. Nobody that I fucking know watches it, but it is literally the most whimsical, special little like show about this girl who lives in somewhere in Scandinavia, I think in Norway, and she deals with like magical creatures. It's it's genuinely and super engaging we watched an episode of that and it's it is pretty good we we ended up not continuing to watch it because i don't know i think of the time watching battlestar galactica and there was kind of too much of a cognitive whiplash (laughs) there but yeah tonal shift (laughs) i'd say i i think i think what it is is these are the shows that are the children like in cultural the cultural children of steven universe and adventure time is how i is how i am yeah i see what you're saying but i don't i mean I think that might just be a heavyweight in this space. And I feel like this is, is, um, that is, was already established before that, but I don't really want to fight you on this because like, who cares? No, 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 no. Put the gloves on. Fight him. Run (laughs) me them hands. Yeah. I want you to think of, but just, just hear me out on this. Think about the, the early seasons of adventure time Mm -hmm. where it's this kid and it's all of this whimsical stuff. That's kind of nonsensical. And, and now, Apply that to like an infinity train. And Owl House is the one where she wants to be a witch, right? Yeah. Like kind of how like some of those, some of the the cool fantastical elements there are a little bit nonsensical. That type of joke where it's straight faced in like a like a like a genuine center of joy, straight faced in the to to some real whimsical shit, and they just take it at face value is I think really popular as a result of of those two shows. Yeah, I mean, I, I see your point, but I also see like I mean, there's, there's even a some bee and puppy cat. Yeah, there's like bee and puppy cat there. There's even like if you go for some like SpongeBob in that, in that like shit just happens and it doesn't really make sense, but like we just roll with it. You know, but SpongeBob always feels like SpongeBob feels like a show that is has connective tissue of its original era in that it feels a little cynical. SpongeBob feels a little bit more has a little bit more of an edge to it. It's got a little bit of red and stick. A little bit of sharpness to it that that is not in it, not present in the just rampant, wholesome feelings of like an owl house. You yeah, know? sure. But I mean, it's a little bit of a edge at times when they introduced uh, Milady, the guy with the fedora. I mean, like, it's a, it's a cheap, though, like, you know. There are bad. I, I get the feeling y'all are way more invested in these shows than I am. I have no idea what we're talking about. Honestly, the, this new era of animation is solid. It's yeah. really good. I really enjoy it. Like as somebody who watches Adventure Time really frequently, I feel like it's much more engaging than the shit that I was actually watching as a child. Yeah, and I think Brent, you said something earlier. You said that it's like an era of smart shows, and I don't disagree. But I would almost position it as saying like it's the era of shows that aren't dumb. I think it's more important that they're not mm. dumb. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're not just like yeah. shoveling shit at you because you're a kid and like, hey, whatever. Like, yo, yeah. Um. I mean, we went from the '80s of just toy commercials, like presented as shows, to the now '90s. That's just Star Wars. Yeah, to yep. the '90s where it was like, here are wild concepts largely inhibited by the era and the like the animation code not the their ability to animate although a lot of that is true 
but just like spider-man throws no punches you know like that type of stuff so there's a lot of like edgy sci-fi higher level stuff not and, and they were just limited in that and also they did i don't think they they still didn't perceive it as a storytelling medium worth because spider-man has some crazy stories in it, the, the 90s animated series but it, they, and also batman the dark the animated series stuff like that was coming out and was like really driving it and then the early 2000s was to me just a lot of lol random and loudness but without the heart and then we see that stuff get transitioned into around 2010 where you see like adventure time start we see there's another show that's not as good oh like even stuff like my little pony which was like whatever the bronies have made that stuff really hard to (laughs) to to parse it with with any good faith but like Mm -hmm. the part of the reason why these 4chan guys went from ironically enjoying it to unironically enjoying it was that there was some merit to the to the show in terms of like it was a little bit smarter right and obviously that show did whatever it did i I don't really know much about it but that that feels like like then gravity falls comes out then to a much lesser extent rick and morty comes out like (laughs) things that things that i'm like like i like rick and morty i like watching rick and morty but rick and morty is not as smart as it as people who watch it think it is and i don't even i don't even think rick and morty thinks it's as smart as its fans that might be true yeah Yeah. but stuff like that i think it's a it's a new era you know i think it's a great time to be a fan of animation to be into that stuff so going back briefly yeah tell me about resident evil 8 okay so what i'm doing right now is resident evil 8 there's a lot of hype blah 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 i'm like i should get this and then i thought no forest alien uh, what was the name of the it came out like alien isolation yeah i should just play alien oh, isolation God. a game that i already own and is a horror game obviously it's not like really the same type of game but uh... so alien isolation is a scarier game yeah that's it's a scarier game and i also get the impression that it's a more frustrating game in some ways because i'm early on before you get like that much in terms of weapons i'm guessing you get a few more weapons as you go along so i'm in the i'm in these stages of like you have to figure out the way to sneak around people or you just die you get like one shot and then you're dead and this might be an example of forrest is bad at video games which i'm i'm fine with you know (laughs) if i'm bad at video games like whatever i'm still having fun but it is a little bit frustrating (laughs) on this episode of life with forrest yeah exactly I, i would say that i would say that alien isolation i think largely stays in that space right i don't think you ever like the androids i think you become more competent when dealing with them Mm -hmm. but i do you do not ever from my understanding rise up against the the xenomorph a lot of that vibe is a resident evil vibe having like a an, 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 an unkillable force kind of chasing you through a space while you have to get other things done is very resident evil you know, it's Mr. X from the RE2 remake. It's Nemesis from RE3. It's the Lady Vampire from RE8, you know, and probably I think Uncle Baker from RE7. I'm not too sure. That's a big RE type of gimmick. Resident Evil 8 is not that scary of a game. There's one section in the game where they take away your weapons and you're, you're, we've talked about this, but we'll do it again. Who cares if you're not, if you don't like it? shut up uh uh, and uh strategy i guess exactly where you where you get you get rid of your guns and you have to kind of escape a dollhouse and there's a giant grotesque baby and that's when the game is the most scary but 
largely you are increasing in power, increasing in competency, and it leans more towards a slow-paced action game with some starts, some startles, you know, some some jump scares. A lot, though. I will say, like, having watched you play it, they're way less than I thought there would be. I think there's only one jump scare that I think was done in bad faith. Yeah. Yeah, where it was like they had you find a photo. It's almost it's almost a joke though. You find a photo and you turn it around and it says look out the window. And when you look out the window, you see six digits that you can then use to unlock uh, a cabinet. But when you look out the window, you are given a jump scare, right? And th- I think yeah. that one is funny but also a little bit cheap. The others seem more earned. There is information that is keying you into the fact that there's going to be a jump scare. So it's it's more about the anticipation. It's not as shitty, but I haven't played the game yet, but it, I've played a lot of it and I've been playing it on stream in a, in Discord. And so it's been kind of a fun, cooperative, like intimate experience where I've had people with me to kind of pull back on the scare factor and also just help out and like like give good commentary. There's something that I, I would recommend, actually, now that I, I didn't mention this last time, but I think that's something that people should try, right? Get a group of friends, get them on a Discord, and one of y'all plays a scary game and y'all just chat. And because funny enough, on like the practical level, there was a music puzzle where I had to know I had to read notes and know where they fit on a key on a piano. Mm. And I don't know how to do that. But I just happened to have two people in the group with me who did who could read music and who, who played piano. So they were able to like do that thing where they go, no, no, go to left, go to right, which is way a much better experience than me. OK, alt tab open a new tab, go yeah. to game FAQ, you know. Oh, I thought uh, you were going to say... That alt- is definitely a more interesting experience. Yeah, I thought you were going to say, alt tab, all right, music theory 101. <laughs> Let's like <laughs> on the keyboard. The worst part is like, I would be no help. I like all my practical knowledge will be like, oh, look, that's a statue of Machiavelli. There you go. No, no help at all. That's actually probably pretty helpful. A lot of like the first chunk of the game is very much like almost art history 101 and honestly really? just but like yeah. puzzles based on that no not really puzzles but there are definitely situations where it's not so much about knowing something specifically there are definitely puzzles that were solved by just different people's ability to logic through space oh and, okay i get you yeah and like or just just bringing their different perspectives and points of view to it like quadruples your effective brain size in a weird like you know we should be a hive mind hive mind hive mind hive mind hive mind hive mind. <laughs> exactly yeah we all started well, yeah, chanting about we... an hour into the game exactly that oh god but like yeah i know what you mean because people can like pay attention to what's going on in the background while you're trying not to get murdered that and also like you start to make like you know how we all do a bit right mm-hmm. and we hyper focus on the bit and we start to release it like a weapon we start threatening each other with this bit like we now know the setups for the bit right and it's like the joke is not even that the bit it's not the bit it's that it's the look that you know forrest and i have as we make eye contact because i can see him about to do it to me you know that type of energy but with a game and it's so it's like there's something that we all dislike so every time that thing shows up we're like no fuck that like fuck you like you make jokes, yeah, you make jokes about about things in the game and you can kind of share that experience live. Whereas you might have a like I feel like playing by myself in a video game is such a monotonous endeavor now where it's like if I don't like the, the merchant, for example, 
me saying there's no joy in me lambasting the merchant by myself in my room as my dog is sleeping on my feet i just have to quietly you want to talk your shit in front of an audience yeah so but when i say fuck the merchant and someone else is like yeah fuck the merchant just by me this was uh, all the jokes i'm making by myself when i'm playing by myself can at most at most result in a and that's it you're right (laughs) an acknowledgement that there are other human beings participating Oh, it just becomes a community event. Yeah, that's why since Mass Effect Legendary Edition is coming out tomorrow, I'm really excited to stream it with some of my friends because I've only ever played the third one, which I did controversially quite like, but I feel like it'll be much more interesting if I have other people in my ear helping me make those decisions that are sometimes completely, like, fully arbitrary, like, which one of these aliens am I going to fuck? And sometimes, like a lot more impactful like where should you put your resources for galaxy war or whatever the fuck but i'm definitely getting more into it i do think mass effect is one of those games where you're gonna have to balance the stream time versus yeah maintenance time basically yeah like we're already already the grand total of the game is 15 hours so we're talking about three five-hour sessions or five three-hour sessions as opposed to a Mass Effect where each of those games represents what? 30 hours? Yeah. At at the very least. Yeah, the least. If you're not doing any sort of other shit. Yeah. Yeah, If you're not mining for resources in Mass Effect 2 for five hours. Yeah. Or flying around to God knows what planet in Mass Effect 3 for (laughs) three hours at a time. And I feel like for Mass Effect 1 especially... I am the kind of, I used to be the kind of game player who would feel like I had to talk to everybody and exhaust everybody's dialogue options, including just randos hanging out at the Citadel. So I just feel like, let's rock it up to this person, see what they have to say. Let's rock it up to this person, see what they have to say. But in Mass Effect 1, some of those like random side characters had some shit to say. They had some like Star Trek level conversations for you and things to chew on, which is nice, except then then if you do that, it ends up being like, what, 80 hours? <laughs> Something absurd. At least. Yeah. 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 But I'm excited for that too. But I, th- but I think Mass Effect 3, in your defense, Audrey, Mass Effect 3 is the Game of Thrones uh, video games mm-hmm. where everyone was super hyped. It was a great game. And then you got to the end and it was just like, oh, great. What the actual fuck? Like, the game itself is fun. I had a lot of fun playing it, too. My hottest take is that I liked the ending. <gasps> which is... Okay. It is yes. it is actual... Like, that's like... That's gamer sacrilege. And they will throw me out of their colony if the news gets out. But, no, well, I, I actually um, I actually oh. really liked it. And I've played it several times. And I, I always really liked the ending. The, the original ending, where it's just... He falls into light. Or the one where they expand it out? Both, actually. Ah! I know. That's a very non-committal answer, but yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to say that I liked it, but I felt like, and this was, I I played this like post-backlash, so maybe I'm just like naturally like responding to the backlash. But my thought is it's like a nice sort of, it would be like a nice episode of Star Trek, right? It would be like, oh, well, this is like an interesting like thought about what to do. And the other, my other point thought on it is, what else were they supposed to do? Develop like ex- like three different extremely like divergent paths that then set up like another video game series where you can start off on like wildly different. Actually, I think you just sold Bioware on a 
really great idea yeah a really great idea mm-hmm. that they're going to deliver poorly yeah, yeah. Sure. i mean i am quite fond of bioware games as a whole i am a staunch supporter of the dragon age franchise you will simply never convince me that those games are not extremely entertaining at the very least to play um, even inquisition with the I, look i have the worst habit that you can have as someone who plays video games where I will pick up the latest installment in a series instead of the first. So Inquisition was the first one that I played and yeah, I absolutely fucking loved it. I mean, it's not a bad game. You just have to ignore a giant chunk of the content in order to have fun. I like that. I liked all of the- Ignoring content? No, I liked all of the associated content. (laughs) That was the problem. Everyone was like, this game- You liked planting flags in the hinterlands for, for 45 minutes. Yes, but unfortunately... Yeah, and what of it? Okay. Yeah, bitch. What of it, mate? Uh, <laughs> I just said, okay. I'm just saying, like, to me, that was not entertaining. No, it's... It, and, like, I get that. I, as a person, am very drawn to things that are repetitive and I don't necessarily have to think super hard about while rewarding me in the long term with gradually more power so the whole hinterlands the way that i play that game is literally like location by location and i will fully finish location before i move on to another one and i love it and it is the most deranged way that i could possibly imagine anyone playing that game (laughs) this game was made for you it was was. made for you audrey it was perfect don't question it We'll just stamp it and move on. It was made for me because of that, and it was also made for me because Iron Bull exists, and <gasps> Iron Bull. that's self-explanatory. Yeah, I loved Iron Bull. We'll have to get Lauren on the podcast again sometime, because Inquisition was also one of her favorite games. Hell yeah. Well, there you have it. We'll, have, we'll, we'll, we'll do a Bioware episode. Yeah, let's do it. Uh... Without Brent. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> wow. There we go. Because my hot take is, I think Mass Effect is garbage. <laughs> oh, yeah, we know. Wow. And oh, Lord oh, of the Rings. Oh. And we're not allowed to talk about Lord of the Rings. We're not allowed only... to talk about whatever the fuck you want to. I'm just going to be the guy that comes in and be like, well, I don't like that. Like, <laughs> I don't like Lord of the Rings either. So That's fine. It's just, he's he likes to shit on stuff. <laughs> I do. I know. I know. Oh, I, boy. And that's that's, that's, that's why we're I. friends. It's because no, often, it's often fun. we shit on the same stuff. I just don't like. Hear me oh. out, guys. Just hear me out. Like, I just <laughs> no, want no, to, please just no. Out. Just <laughs> hear me out of this. Just We're hear gonna... me out of this. Okay. Think about, okay. think about Kotor. Okay. Think no, about. I want I you to think about Kotor and how cool that game was. Okay. Now I want you to take everything you thought about that was cool about Kotor. All right. Make it worse. Mass Effect. Boom. Done. It's done. Right. I look that that if that's not the game design document. If that if that was not their overview and their stakeholders were a six pack of Bud Light uh, <laughs> <laughs> as the sponsor, you know, I don't know what was. I think Mass Effect is fucking. I, uh, the, I the most Mass Effect I played was Mass Effect Three, and that was the multiplayer. I didn't play the actual single player game. I think you know this is I... not the first time you've made that revelation. Yeah, I think so. I think you told me that. You know what I just realized though. You said KOTOR, and my brain did not go Knights of the Old Republic. Instead, what it went to, for God knows why, is the flying dog from the never-ending story named Falcor. The dog? It's a dragon. Oh, yeah, the dragon, yeah. Oh, man. my God. But he it does looks look like, like a dog. A dog. He, lo- he looks like a dog. Lo- no, it looks like a... No, I just... It took me a second to catch up. 
No, you're you're good. I don't know why I made that association in my brain, but that that was immediately where it went, and it reminded me that my parents used to force me to watch Neverending Story, and I hated oh. it. What's funny is oh, that you mean you didn't. What's funny is that I've never seen Neverending Story. You don't need to. Yeah, I've never seen it either. You, you know, you need to so we can talk about it. <laughs> no, I'll do that. It's on. It's on do HBO it. Max, I believe. Is it? Because that's going to be our yeah. episode after uh, uh, the hobbies. Oh next my week. god, I am so. <laughs> on it's on. Board. It's on I Amazon mean. Prime, I think. Okay, it's I'll find it. I'll get it. <laughs> God. And guess what? Guess what, Audrey? You've been consigned. Great. You want, live, you want to live in a communist society? Guess what? That means conscription. Fucking fine. <laughs> Fucking fine. I will rewatch we'll, a never-ending story just for you. Just you, you. Yeah, it's important. It's important. Apparently, it's important we do this, this means something. Because Brent did, in fact, make us watch Sharktopus versus Werewolf. So I'm just saying. Whoa, Brent. But here, no, you gonna do out, the, You're going to do the homies like that? Was Sharktopus versus Werewolf, Whalewolf, one of our best episodes for us? No. <laughs> Whoa. I was going to go with no. <laughs> I mean, uh, it had its own charm. Like, I don't regret it, but that's... That's a, I we it also, was entertaining. We also listener. haven't done another episode like that since then. So yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> a lambast episode because they don't go well. What we did, Wonder Woman. Yeah, well, that was we didn't know how that was gonna go. Yeah, we did Wonder Woman, and and you know what? Right, we did Wonder Woman, and I did have to have a, we did have to have a recovery episode right after that. So yeah, because we didn't, we went into Wonder Woman not fully understanding what we were going to have and we we're all pretty disappointed but anyway Forrest what else have you been watching since we don't we, so we don't end up on a nostalgia trip what on our have own we podcast actually been watching if I'm being honest with you what we've actually been watching is season five of X-Files because apparently the things that still I like, on the X-Files yes apparently the things that I like are conspiracy theories and cops but not in real life only on TV um, is that a is that a, a, was good, it a Mac or a Surface that's a Mac it's a Mac it's my work laptop hmm it's could, just wandering around the room with him. Go ahead and like break it, it over your knee. Yeah, go ahead and break it over my knee. Yeah, smash, uh, smash your work computer so over your knee. I, yeah, think, that I mean, I, I think Forrest, you should continue to watch X Files because okay. I can't stop you. Well, uh, here, let me let me complain about X Files for a minute. Yes, please. That's what I want. David Duchovny is a bad actor. Are we all agreed on that? <laughs> okay. Yes. yes. Yes, but I have a caveat, which is that enough people thought he oh, was sexy. Oh, caveat it? No, oh. enough people thought he was sexy that it did not matter. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, de- I definitely, not only do I agree, but like, that's almost certainly true. That um, was literally the whole, the whole reason that Californication got mo- made. Yeah, that's a show that I just don't, I'm not. So anyway, okay, so there's that. <laughs> the, central, the central conceit of that show is that David Duchovny is someone who could, like, sweet-talk people into sex, I think. It is. I watched the entire show in the first of episode. Of not x Yeah, of Californication. In the first episode, he, 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 uh, he fucks a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Oof. And Great. This is, a, this is a show that, like, is good and people like? Or this isn't? It's, it's it something. Okay. It's, it exists. Yeah, it certainly mm-hmm. exists. That's as much as you can say for it. Yeah. So we should also we should also mention that Californication probably came out in the early two thousand late two thousands or something when that kind of shit was like edgy, but not like a, the immediate like, yo, are we fucking platforming the image of a groomer right now? Like, yeah. Oh, they were. <laughs> uh, and actually, I'm gonna get on my soapbox for a split second oh, before oh, I allow on. Forrest. Justin they off. did not. To be fair, they did not. 
Once he found out she was a teenager, because she admittedly in the show did lie, he was like, get the fuck away from me. Like, literally do not come near me. And she continues to pursue him. But it's a very weird show with a lot of very weird dynamics and things to say. Don't recommend. Zero out of ten. So here's here's the second part of my complaint. Gillian Anderson is a great actor in real life. And also on the X-Files, but it doesn't really call for great acting, so it doesn't matter so much. And they put them together, right? And even though they're both the main character, Fox Mulder is really like the main, main character. It's pretty obvious. Like, he's the guy who somehow yeah. always knows what's actually going on. And Scully comes in and is like, I don't know, Mulder, about that. And he's like, Jesus, let me just... Be wrong. Yeah. I feel like it would be a much more interesting show if they made her the main character and also didn't make it so every other episode she's always like the one who gets abducted or the one who gets a terrible like alien disease or the one who almost yeah. drowns or like gets yeah, she's stabbed. always the damsel in distress yeah. yeah and i don't know i don't like this show but i can't stop watching it <laughs> it's like i don't like this show but in a very real sense i really do like the show so i don't know what that says about me you're compelled by the content but the central conceit conceit of the actors is problematic yeah could you could you tell me i mean just just each season give me a max score each season give you a max score. That's a lot of seasons. Yes. Well, he's already watched up to five. So yeah, I have already just, watched up to five. I so just need four max scores. That's... Wait, did you finish five? Yes, finished five, and then after so five is the five movie. Max uh, very important. You oh my god, I forgot about the movie. Five. Holy yes. shit, that was <laughs> How insane. Could you? I mean, to be fair, as someone who really liked the X Files <laughs> and still probably does, I just haven't watched it in a while. The movie mm. was forgettable. The movie is like an okay episode it's not even as good as most of the episodes most of the things that people remember from the movie are literally just the single thing which is that if i'm recalling this correctly they do kiss oh they almost kiss but then uh, of course it's ready he's got the he's got the movie memorized <laughs> yeah, they almost, he's like oh they almost kiss but then scully gets stung by a bee and faints <laughs> That's literally what happened. You know, the normal reaction to getting stung by a bee. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's an alien bee, you see. <laughs> oh, yeah, the alien right. bee. Wait, that, right. hasn't, that hasn't happened to you? You haven't tried to kiss a girl, and then, she's, and then she says that she's been stung by a bee and can't <laughs> kiss you anymore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That hasn't happened? Uh, yeah, because, man, you've lived a charmed life. <laughs> it's happened it's a, to all of us normally. It's happened to me at least six here. times. Almost every other time I've tried to kiss a girl, a bee just shows up. Stings just her. bees, multiple bees. <laughs> I can't... And they're always alien bees because I can never see them. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Anyway, gonna, do you want to do I'm going to give season scores? three a nine out of seven max scores. Hold on. Did you just fucking start with season three? Season three gets a nine out of seven max scores because it's got the one about, it's got the one with the dad from Everybody Loves Raymond, which seems like oh maybe a bad thing, but it's an incredible thing. It is. That's a very good episode. Uh, Wait, no, hold on. Did you also go above the scale? It gets more than it's first of nine all, out first, of nine seven. First, seven. Nine first out of all, seven. Adam, Adam, I need to remind you guys. No, a couple, no, no. I know. A couple Proceed. of you, squ- a couple of you squares made this a f- made the max scale of fi- something out of five last time we brought it up, and his it has always been a variable, unknowing, unshapable, just shifting cosmic force. So nine out of seven is a perfectly valid score, just like four did, out of five is. I just wanted to make sure I heard him correctly. Okay. And to be fair, I set the five and Dane followed. 
Because Dane's so. a follower. He's not even here for you to dunk on. First, Adam says Dane's a follower. Oh no! Don't, don't talk about that. don't talk about my don't talk about my long lost sibling like that. I can't even. He's not even here to defend himself. He'd probably be like, "Yeah, it's fine. I do." Oh my yeah. god! Someone came up to me and was like, "I just I heard the episode where you said that." that people that you said that people say you don't like dane i was like yeah that was, that was me i'm the one who said you don't like dane oh, no. <laughs> i was like i love dane they go you don't act like it <laughs> I've, I've had i've had people ask if we we are friends in real life you and i yeah i've had people no ask. I, I know <laughs> and i'm like how is that possible <laughs> i love this is everyone just how we talk yeah. i love everyone on the show there's not been one person on the show that i don't adore like absolutely exactly. fully adore yeah because we're ridiculous and we just have a great time i and leave we're mean Brent to each kicks other for... me off the call right now he's like except you it's like and now i can <laughs> yeah, say that Oof. Uh, the other seasons get like i don't care out of i don't care I mean, like, they're fine. I, I, I love the show. But I think that, you know, in terms of, like, quality, there's some really good episodes and some real stinkers each season. And that's yeah. just the way it is. So No, I agree. Except for the new, except for the two new seasons, which get, like, negative infinity out of seven. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. I blocked them from my memory, but they were atrocious. <laughs> so these are six and seven, then? Those are the two new ones? No. No, They were, like, the later seasons that came out, like... Oh, like you see, I have no, I've never watched any of it. So. No, those came out in like 2017. I feel well, no, maybe 2017. Oh, don't lie. 2018 and 2016. <laughs> they're I'm that gonna... new. They're oh, that dear. new. God, and they were. No wonder so you blocked bad. them out. Yeah. You can't recapture the 90s charm like that. You yeah. truly can't. And they, to be fair, I didn't feel like they were trying to lean on it too much. But the way that they went instead was worse than if yeah. they had tried to lean on the 90s nostalgia. Yeah, the way I, I don't remember the new season that well, but the way I remember it is they went with like fewer episodes thinking they were going to knock it out of the park and really have something to say. Let's oh, really dear. say something this time. Yeah. And, and instead, what, and what they said was, said. yeah, okay. Instead, it be they fun said if, we like, don't know how to make a budget. And they tried to make it like a character study, like the first I want to say like several episodes of the like the new first season were just about the divorce that they were going through. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, so it sounds like we should not talk about. So this. Scully and Mulder get divorced. Yes. I forgot that they were even married. Right. What a shit. What a shit premise. <laughs> yeah, and then the new series is not good, which is why I blocked it from my memory. But the old series, I am quite fond of despite it being just really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you can reach us at popculturecake at gmail.com and uh, no socials, I'm assuming, from anybody here. Just as a, uh, a little bit of housekeeping for the podcast, remember that if you decide to give any of us some kind of fucking money, you get to name a podcast episode. It's not, a, we don't care. Like, we don't, we don't really care about that. But if you want to, you can. And also rate us on iTunes. I have to say shit like that now. Tim, Tim is Tim is constantly emailing me about my lack of promotion for the Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, it's like, hey man, I got you on. I got you on here as a favor, and you're not you're not you're not selling it. I'm like, <laughs> Tim, I don't know what to tell you. And outside of that, uh, that's it. We're done. Do you want to tell people where they can give you money? No. No. 
<laughs> you can email us at, at popculturecake at gmail.com. You can problem. email us money? No, I yes. think I think what I'm it is email is more you like a twenty dollar bill. <laughs> I think what it is is like get in contact with us on the Gmail, or if you know one of us individually, you can forward the money to that person. Like we, we're small. This isn't really a thing that I care about actually happening, and I, I trust everyone in the group to actually forward it. So we we don't have a we don't have an out we don't have an outro gimmick. Uh, we don't have an outro gimmick. We don't have one of those.